Good day. You're listening to European Buddha. After the summer break, we are back with a European Buddha podcast. Taking a break is common in everyday life and also in Buddhism. We talk about taking a break when we meditate, but when we do that for a longer period, we talk about retreat. So this is the topic we want to talk about today after our summer break uh, with our guest and with Emilia. Hello, Martin, and warmly welcome all the listeners. And uh, I have the joy to introduce today's guest. Welcome warmly, Juha Vashramitra Lamminaho. Juha uh, is a Dharma teacher, and he lives on the west coast of Finland with his family. He also holds their small Dharma group and uh, translates polytext into Finnish. And as an occupation, he's a teacher of immigrants. So warmly welcome. What Thank was you. your latest uh, experience on a retreat? Uh, latest experience was in our summer retreat, which was uh, five day long. And uh, this time it was uh, uh, different for me because I was the head manager of this retreat. So I wasn't able to just be quiet uh, with my mind so much because I had to talk with people and people could come to me and talk and I had to have my phone open and so on. So uh, practice was really much different than other times. You have been practicing Buddhism since uh, 2004. What led you to the Dharma? My first experience uh, uh, or encounter with uh, Buddhism, or more precisely with Zen Buddhism, took place um, uh, in a bookshop. I think it was 2001 or 2002. And there I uh, I was there hang just hanging out with my friend. And there I saw a book called Zen, written by Alan Watts. And I remember clearly how it was like uh, this book. It was like a um, bright star on a bookshelf. And I was like, whoa. Kind of reminds me of actually your name, Vashra. Yeah. But at, at that moment, I right away knew that, okay, this is my thing, Zen. But uh, interesting enough, I didn't read that book at that time. And I haven't even read it until today. So it's <laughs> um, just a few pages. <laughs> but uh, it was the first like trigger. And you um, became a teacher after a while. So after being a practitioner, you became a teacher and uh, facilitating uh, a retreat. Uh, yes, I'm a teacher at the moment. And um, I have a different role now in our community. And uh, I felt that now it was uh, my turn to take more responsibility for the organizing retreat. What would you say is one of the hard aspects of a retreat? What is the meaning? Why, why do we go on a retreat? Um, actually, I think that uh, times of lockdown revealed 
the real meaning of being on a retreat. Because when we had uh, Zoom retreats, I got some insight about how important it is to be together and in the same space, uh, feeling the uh, same energy of mindfulness and compassion and wisdom in the same same room and in the same building. So I think being together is one of the main things. And um, when we are together on a retreat, it's a great opportunity to see how your mind works, how your body and mind works, and how do they relate to each other. It's also opportunity to see one's own habit patterns. When we are with other people, we cannot do as we can do at home. Different kinds of emotions uh, arise and um, yeah, one has possibility to see what is the content of my mind and how can I work out this content, content in a way that, that is wholesome. I want to relate to your point of uh, our patterns, our habitual patterns. And I'm curious, um, when we go to a retreat, uh, what happens with our smartphone? Do you have a regulation on that? Or is that like, um, because I was just wondering for a modern day person that is so occupied with news and smartphone, what is your experience on that? Traditionally, we don't use uh, cell phones on a retreat or read any books. But um, nowadays, it's difficult for some people to shut down the iPhone and cut, cut down the habit of using social media, even for a few days or even few hours. But actually, I think uh, cell phones and all the uh, impulsive habits related to them are actually good for the practice, believe it or not. Deeply seated habit patterns can be revealed during the retreat when you cannot use your iPhone or any phone in the a, in a same manner as in your daily life. And you can see how the impulse to use phone arises and vanishes. And you can really feel it in your body when you want to use your phone and you cannot. It's not here. It's not open. So how does it feel? And I assume for some people, it's actually a relief to get yes. rid of the cell phone for a while that we make this commitment together to be present in the present moment. So I remember when I had a first retreat, because often on the retreats, there's a silent day. It might be one day or it might be the whole week for silence. And we had this one silent day and I, I brought it back to home. And, and I, re I remember it was quite funny that sometimes I had this little piece of paper that said that I'm silent today. <laughs> but but now I haven't been doing it anymore, but maybe should bring that back to life again. Or maybe even a silent hour would be nice. <laughs> What happens when you're silent and why are you silent in the retreats? Uh, I think that uh, for some people, it is good to be 
in silence in a case when one's practice uh, is deep enough to get the benefits from being silenced and shutting off some of the connections uh, and bonding with other people through uh, looking at people into eyes and so on. But I think most of us uh, need some connections with people. Just a little bit of uh, looking into eyes. Just a little bit of speaking. Because I think that, after all, we are made in a social connections. And uh, what happens if somebody takes everything we have away and gives us all our mental pains in exchange? So I think it can be quite um, horrible experience to be just totally 100% silent. Uh, basically, what I mean is that it's crucial to find a retreat uh, which suits your own basis or your own ground. Exactly. Yeah, that's a very good point to, if you want to go on a retreat, to find your kind of retreat, because we are all in different phases in our life. And that's something that we experience after these pandemic years. I think it was the first retreat we had together. It was like a weekend retreat in Lientam. And and we decided that we actually taking it more relaxed retreat. So we had talks together and more sharing things together. And it was really nice actually. And and this thankfulness of just enjoying a meal together or breakfast and and cooking together and maybe sharing some mm. some thoughts on that and doing mindful movement and this kind of stuff so it's a very yes, good yes. point and i think it's also uh, very much uh, healing event also mm -hmm. so for people who never have done a retreat we just heard okay on a retreat you work with your habitual patterns you are together You cook together um, and you are occasionally are silent. There are periods of silence. Could you give us some some hints, some taste of a everyday schedule? Uh, that uh, depends on a retreat and uh, about the tradition. Mm -hmm. In our tradition, we wake up at 5 a.m., sit for a while and uh, have a breakfast And again, sitting meditation also included uh, some uh, very short uh, recitation chanting. And then we have a lunch and we have a working period. And then again, we have a, a sitting together. Our retreats are quite relaxed. So it's not obligatory to, to, to participate every event if you have like a some physical problems or something like that. So you can just go and rest for a while and then come back. Yeah, earlier this year I did a Datun in my tradition. It's a month-long retreat. And what I find interesting was, first of all, how relaxing it is just to do simple things at a day. Wake up, meditate, eat, 
have a break, meditate, have another meal, meditate, sleep, wake up. Mm -hmm. So very, it's very profound, actually. <laughs> chop wood, carry water, chop wood, carry mm -hmm. water. It's yes. a classic. It's so beautiful. Where did we lose all this? <laughs> I think that's why we're waking up this <laughs> retreats, <laughs> more retreats. Sometimes I think it could be also an everyday schedule. But then there's like some kind of a gap between being on this retreat and everyday life. So what is your experience on that? And taking in consideration that you are, you are a teacher for, you're a teacher. So it's a bit, it's a big gap between <laughs> retreat and a teacher work oh, in yes, a school. Yes. Uh, <laughs> mindfulness in every action. Yeah. Okay, it's easy to say. Yes. But uh it's not it's it's not so difficult. If if you have generated uh energy of mindfulness during the retreat, I think uh, it will uh, automatically go to your uh, ordinary life. Of course, constantly you have to remind yourself to kind of wake up because sometimes we're asleep and then we, that's the point when we yes, can always yes. come back and wake up. Funny uh, recommendation from our teacher, take your time to settle in, don't quit your job, wait a month in order to really settle into your everyday life situation and maybe realize you don't need to change much, just as you said, apply mindfulness continue what you have learned but mm -hmm. don't make rush decisions like quitting your job and mm -hmm. thinking oh no now i'm going into the cave <laughs> that's a good notice i think our teacher also because someone asked in the retreat like how do we get back to the normal life and how can we prepare ourselves to go back and he said kind of well, you cannot actually mm -hmm. prepare just be mindful mm -hmm. <laughs> when you're back home <laughs> I think it's also important to remember that uh, a meditation retreat and the method of practice were designed to temple environment. So the idea basically and in the beginning was that uh, people start intense practice in the place where they lived and then after retreat they would continue living in the same environment with uh, just a little bit more relaxed uh, schedule. So uh, retreats were basically part and parcel of uh, monastic lifestyle. So now we use the same methods and the same schedule for maybe a few days, a week or something like that, and then go back home. So no wonder if sometimes people hit the wall because the gap is quite huge at that time. People who live in monastery, they don't have to rush out and face all kinds of difficulties of modern life, uh, at least at the same measure as we have to. Uh, when we think what kind of retreat is good, is it like more strict, with mm -hmm. really strict schedule, or is it more uh, relaxed, more in line with uh, people's everyday life so that the gap when they come in to the retreat is not big and when they go home it's not so huge hmm. 
And when would you say is a good time to do a retreat? Um, should one have at least some kind of meditation experience? Or would you say, well, if you're interested in meditation, just go. Try to look something up uh, in your near environment uh, and just go. Or would you recommend a little of uh, preparation? I think maybe some introduction course would be really good to have. Like in our tradition, whose retreats are quite relaxed, I think maybe introduction and uh, uh, just sitting at home maybe for a few few times so that you know your um, body is in that condition that one can sit for 30 minutes or one hour. Mm -hmm. And if everything looks okay, please welcome. Mm -hmm. But of course, um, if um, one has uh, some uh, mental problems, then it's a different story. So it's not a um, particularly the right place to solve your uh, mental problems because no, sometimes definitely no. You could have the idea like I go to a retreat in order to solve them. Our teacher once said that people who come to retreat need some kind of therapy first before coming to retreat. And he meant that retreat is not a place where you can solve your mental mm -hmm. uh, problems. Because uh, people who are depressed can easily think that, oh, I can go to retreat and be in silence and find some inner peace there. Mm -hmm. But actually, maybe it's best for them to have some therapy before. If you could have any kind of retreat, like a dream retreat, what would that be like? Like you could plan anything. Anything. <laughs> I think I, I, I don't want to plan a retreat uh, where I can have all the good things I, I want. Because like I said before about the habit patterns, it's really important to face them if i have a if i participate on a retreat where everything goes as i wish i don't have to face all my things i don't have to face my mind and its content so it's best if somebody else says now you sit this 30 minutes or one hour then you walk and sit and walk and uh, prepare lunch and i have to just do it and what kind of um, emotions and feelings it brings up they are material for my practice when people want to um, are curious and maybe consider you to be a good person to maybe guide them on a retreat how could they contact you or where's your your base where you do retreats Yes, we have a very small group here in Vasa, but our main association, Bodhidharma, the place where you can take contact, and maybe Emilia can say something about that. A Bodhidharma Association in Helsinki, but also in Italy. We have few retreats per year and coming more for sure. Uh, sometimes people might think that it's necessary to participate retreat 
in order to be a good Buddhist or good practitioner? Uh, I don't think it's not that. Of course, retreat is a great opportunity to deepen one's practice, gain some wisdom and knowledge, and of course meet uh, Dharma friends and teachers. And retreat can um, steer one's life into a more like wholesome direction. But if uh, one thinks that, or if one's life situation is when one cannot participate, and one thinks that oh, I'm a bad practitioner or feel some inferiority or something like that because he or she is not able to participate. I think that's uh, that's not a very good way to see the practice because one can practice in daily life. It actually is the most important yes. place to practice. Yes. Yeah, I think um, a very important point is that uh, we develop uh, kindness also towards ourselves when yes. we practice. And especially at the latest, mm -hmm. when we are on a retreat and we just like thoughts are running wild. And at the latest, there's the point where you hopefully get an access to kindness towards your practice. Yes, kindness is the first step. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you have any plans for next retreat? When is your next retreat, Johan, Martin? Do you have it in calendar? <laughs> Our next retreat will be in January, I think, at Oulu. Yes, welcome to Oulu. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think uh, not doing a retreat, but maybe a pilgrimage to Nepal. Oh, sounds yeah. great. What about you, Emilia? Do you have something in mind? I try to do these uh, daily retreats to the forest. Um, and I think that's very good practice at the moment. But of course, also in our association, we are planning a, a new retreat. Um, if not later autumn, then it's going to be the winter retreat when our teacher comes to Helsinki. Thank you. It's been really nice, sunny Saturday. Thank you, and thank you for talk. the invitation. Thank you very much.